Graham said, my dear baby girl, oops. I mean, Bailey, sorry, still remembering you as baby and a child. I'm so happy you got a new car. Having all the bells and whistles, it will take good care of you and keep you safe on the road. I know you're very busy working a lot. When you have time, give me a call and tell me all about your jobs and all the other good stuff and some of the dirt. I pray you and your sisters will think about our country and realize that Donald Trump is not a bad person or a bad president. He's the best one we've ever had and I know because I've been voting since 1956. Black Lives Matter wants to tear this country apart and it's doing a good job. I wouldn't lie to you about this. I study this all the time. I know politics and American history with the back of my hand. I'm glad George Soros is old. I hope he dies soon before he does any more destruction in this country. Don't be deceived, Bailey. The devil is alive and powering this world. Okay, uh, I'm Alexander Edward. I'm Tony Boswell. We're Minion Death Cult. The world is ending. Uh, a Boston version of Mel Gibson is responsible. We're documenting it. Uh, what's up, everybody? It is your uh, it's your free show for the week. It's your free show that you get every week from Minion Death yes. Cult. Uh, yes. We love you, You're folks. Welcome. Hey, if you want more than just the free show, you can go to patreon.com slash Minion Death Cult, where we uh, do a premium episode literally every week. That one's for real. No fooling. Every week you get an episode there for three bucks a month. Pretty good. Uh, it's a good deal. It's a borderline steal, which is what we're all about here at Minion Death Cult. Mm -hmm. If you can steal, steal. And right. basically subscribing to us for $3 is a steal, so do it. It's That's yeah. direct action. It is. It, when you go to Patreon and you sign up, you're literally doing a self-checkout on the podcast. And you just type mm -hmm. in what's normally like, I don't know, probably worth like $25 a month or something. You're typing in $3.11. You're, you're yeah. get only charging yourself that much. And it's, I don't know, pretty, pretty tricksy. It's a pretty good idea. You did what I might have seen somebody do if I was watching myself um, the other day when I found a, a rug on clearance that had a sticker, a clearance sticker on it. Mm -hmm. But there was another rug for like a fraction of that price with a sticker on it that comes off really easily and you you buy that rug and you engage with the um the red the red poloed employee mm -hmm. and say hey this isn't coming up at the price i'd like it to and you have a conversation with them and then they go ahead and change the price for you manually yeah and then that's the only thing you ring up because they've already engaged with you they got you you're good you're that's, good. And that's you like some real out. Ocean's Eleven shit is you get the person who works there to steal it for you. Yeah, so I don't know. Yeah, you can get bonus episodes there for, for, a, for a quote steal. For a quote so-called end quote steal at patreon.com slash minion death cult. Uh, so today we're, we're, uh, doing a special episode. We're talking about a movie again. Uh, something we haven't done for, I don't know, a, a couple months, I think. It's um, been a while since so you've delved into cinema. This is... But we're uh, back to film, baby. Yeah. Uh, this is a movie that Tony brought to my attention, I think, like a month or two ago when the trailer dropped and, like, immediately a bunch of, uh, I don't know, you know, angry liberal reactions dropped as well, talking about how uh, bad this movie is and how racist mm -hmm. it is, which... It is, I think the premise of it is probably the most racist, and then it's not racist in the way you think it's going to be racist, I would say. Yeah, 
Yeah, I think you're, it's racist in a couple ways, not the ways you think. They they throw a couple curveballs at you. We're talking about the Mel, Mel Gibson, like, jaded, retired cop in a Puerto Rico hurricane uh, while a heist is going on around him movie, Force of Nature, from 2020. Just dropped, like, a week ago. Uh, you know, if I would have known that you were going to use the term heist, I probably would have avoided talking about Ocean's Eleven earlier. Um, because that's a heist film, goddammit. This, this was, this was supposed to be a smash and grab robbery. <laughs> it's a movie set in Puerto Rico about Puerto Rican, like, gangsters doing a heist in the middle of a Category 5 hurricane. Yeah. And so you're thinking, like, wow, that sounds a little offensive. Like, you know, I don't know, putting this into context with uh, our universe, considering, you know, recent events, it seems a little a little tasteless to, uh, you know, write and, and release this movie when, I don't know, uh, Hurricane Heist was already a movie and was released not, not too long ago. <laughs> Stepping I, on some toes there, I think. Yeah, just a little bit, a little bit of... Uh, <laughs> there's, there's a case to be had here, I think. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, no, of course, I'm talking about how uh, tens of thousands of people died in Puerto Rico and, you know, a million more uh, suffered and are still continuing to suffer because of uh, just utter neglect from uh, the American Empire, which, you know, chooses to claim ownership over Puerto Rico, but extend none of the benefits of that ownership. Um, so, yeah, but here, hey, we got a movie with Mel Gibson in a fake puerto rican uh hurricane that ends in like a day this is mel gibson this is emil hirsch these are the two leads uh emil hirsch you may be familiar with like him from into the wild from speed racer or from him uh strangling a female studio executive at a nightclub oh, oof. A, not i mean it's it's like i don't it's not even like a domestic attack it was like an, a a public assault on somebody he didn't know at a at a club because she turned him down he like jumped over a table and choked her almost to unconsciousness that's so fucking wild yeah like because i was i was you said emil hirsch like but i don't really remember into the wild and i never saw speed racer but i'm supposed to see speed racer it's like one of those movies you're supposed to watch because it's like low-key good, right? Yeah, it's a Wachowski movie. Yeah. Uh, it's it's a wild watch. Um, I yeah, I, I started watching it because I was listening to a podcast that was like going through all the Wachowskis stuff, uh, and they kind of spoke very highly of it. And and I watched it again. It's a weird movie. It's like a what the cat in the hat would be if it was interesting. Like what a live action <laughs> Doctor Seuss movie would be if it was like going all the way going full bore man, man i'm really happy that like, they're really happy that you weren't trying to sell this movie um, <laughs> it's funny because i didn't when you watch this guy act about the whole thing i i didn't realize he is from other things um because he is just trying to do like leonardo dicaprio from the departed so hard throughout the whole thing but like but he couldn't do the the uh, accent because mel gibson already has the accent so uh, he was just like stuck doing this bad like Leo impression the whole time. Well, I think what I, I don't know. I didn't really pick up on a Leo impression. Uh, he he just looks exactly like Leonardo DiCaprio. There's that's, the one scene though. There's that one scene that I that's late in the movie. Okay. 
with has that one quote. That I'll hear your argument. I'll, I'll yeah. hear it. I'm not. I'm not saying it's. I just think he looks exactly like Leonardo DiCaprio. And I yeah. was like, before you said anything, I was like, it's kind of crazy how much he looks like him. Uh, he's. He's a decent actor, obviously, and uh, Mel Gibson as well. You know, they make a great team. They're both playing cops in this movie, and uh, Kate Bosworth of uh, Horse Whisperer and of uh, Blue Crush uh, is playing Mel Gibson's daughter, who is a doctor who lives with Mel Gibson. Or I don't know if she—I don't think she lives with him. She's like a caretaker. It seems like like she like checks in on him not. all the time. I, I hope not, because uh, she's already a doctor. She's already a doctor in, like, austerity-ridden Puerto Rico. I hope she doesn't also have to, like, clock out of her, you know, 16-hour shift and then go home and wipe Mel Gibson's ass. That's true. I mean, I hope not, too, but it did kind of give that vibe. She at least... I mean, she's, like, a worrisome daughter who's, like, does seem to take care of him. She just inner scrubs when we meet her and she's at Mel Gibson's apartment where he's refusing Mm -hmm. to uh, evacuate and you find out you know that he's an ex-cop he's an ex-Boston cop uh, and and Emil Hirsch is a Puerto Rican cop who's uh, refusing to learn Spanish he doesn't he doesn't agree to learn Spanish and a Puerto Rican cop we do need to say he's a cop in Puerto Rico yeah well he's an American (laughs) that's what I mean he's He's an American citizen they're all American citizens Tony I, I don't a, know what a, you're implying. He's a cop that is employed by the Puerto Rican Police <laughs> Department. <laughs> what if what if Emil Hirsch was was doing a Puerto Rican act? What if he was doing like a John Leguizamo thing the whole time? <laughs> yeah. Would that would be it's, amazing? What if he was doing a, like like the birdcage uh, the birdcage <laughs> accent, but as like a serious cop? The, you know the accent that I'm not gonna do. Oh no, no way. <laughs> We start off with um, a flash forward. We start off in like the middle of the movie during an action scene where you're seeing Mel Gibson and his daughter uh, like trying to get out of this apartment building while, you know, there's a hurricane going on around them. And Mel Gibson has like a flak jacket and he's leading the way with a gun, but he looks just awful. Like he looks very bad. Um, and they are looking down the middle of the stairwell where there's like an open courtyard and they see Emil Hirsch's character fighting with, a, you know, one of the bad guys and Mel Gibson can't get a shot. Like he doesn't have a clear shot because he's like, you know, 10 stories up. And this is kind of where you start to notice what kind of a movie this is going to be or like what quality of a movie this is going to be. Um, and I just want to say up top, like when we watched Assassin uh, 33 AD, uh, I said at the top to, you know, hey, hold off and listen to the show because this movie is actually worth watching and you sh- there's a there's like a, a, a good twist. Uh, not yeah. with this movie. This movie is not worth watching. This movie's terrible. I would uh, ar- argue strongly against watching it. Um, I didn't think it was even going to be an episode until we were like an hour in or like 45 minutes in because yeah. it's just a bad movie. It's like... The way everything is blocked in this movie and the way uh, the action is paced is just awkward. Like, that's the best way to describe it. Awkward and um, boring because it's that scene. He's, like, trying to take aim on Emil Hirsch for, like, a good 15 seconds. And he's like, I can't get a shot. Come on. Come on. Can't get a shot. And it's not, like, filmed in a dynamic or... uh, 
you know, uh, stress-inducing way or a tense way or anything like that. It's just boring. You're just watching an old man, like, waggle a gun around on, on a one shot of him. You know, it reminds me of, like, the bad blocking in the Sin City movie Ooh, yeah. where they're trying to look like a, like a comic book. So everything is, like, blocked really awkwardly and everything's in the scene. And so you see, like... Uh, what what's his name? Mickey Rourke, like aiming a gun with two hands, and he's like weaving while he's aiming the gun. He's like, I yep. got you right in my sights. And then you see like a woman walk up clearly behind him in the shot, and then like bonk him over the head. It's it's all very much that same, but not stylized, you know? Yeah, and it's also stupid because like Emil Hirsch and the guy he's fighting are they're engaged in like very close combat. They are like <laughs> putting each other in holds. Mel Gibson is like two stories up with he's more than some that. sort yeah, of hand- he's, he's yeah, pretty high that. with some sort of like handgun and he's like old and probably not steady at all he should not be trying to take this shot this is a bad shot anyways like he's going to kill Emil Hirsch yeah uh, so we uh, cut back to Emil Hirsch's character uh, I think he's in a bathtub and he's going to shoot himself in the head yeah, which is uh, like he's, <laughs> he's gonna kill himself. Yeah, uh, but then well, he's gonna kill. He he has it up to his head, and he's like, he's in his mouth. No, well, okay. I mean, just let me say it. Okay, sorry. He has sorry. it up in his. He has the gun up to his head, and then he's like, you know, oh no, I can't do it. But then he just moves the gun into his mouth. And you're like, okay, I guess <laughs> you're like you're like getting better leverage or something. Yeah. Like I don't. Okay. Isn't that like less successful? Isn't shooting yourself in the mouth the the less successful route to go? I don't know, but I do think like you really should Google that before you do it because I'm not gonna say which one it is because I'm not positive. Um, but I think before you do that, you should Google it. Yeah, don't don't trust my advice, please. No, no, don't. Um, um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but like this scene, this scene is like you said out of nowhere. This is the guy. This is you can only barely tell. This is the guy who was fighting in the foyer. But now he's about to kill himself in the bathtub. Yeah, uh, and he, he, you don't know why he's suicidal, but you do get flashbacks f- f- with him and, like, a blonde woman on his lap. So you're like, oh, okay, she's dead. Um, and then it goes to him, like, getting ready for work. And he puts on his uniform, and he goes to work at the, uh, port, you know, whatever, air, uh, where are they? San Juan? He's working at, like, the, the front desk, and... Uh, he is told that he is on evacuation duty. He's not too happy about it. He also gets teamed up with like a very fresh-eyed female cop who uh, we learn requested to be uh, like uh, to assist this department because her department doesn't have enough action. Yes, exactly. And like the part that she's like a like a naive she is like a big part of this character introduction. He's like, listen, he may as well have been like, listen, toots. Mm-hmm. Like, life's not life's not easy. Like, the whole conversation, because she seems like she doesn't know what's going on. She's like, so what do we do? People don't want to go with us. And he's all like, well, they're going to die a very awful death. Yeah, well, he, he just, they go they go into the van and, and she's like, so what's the game plan? He's all, what do you mean, what's the game plan? She's like, well, what, what's the play? What do we do? And he's all, we don't do anything. It's like yeah. we sit here and then we go get lunch, and he's he, you know he's just going to he he's not going to uh, jeopardize his calm afternoon for having yes. to go fuck with people or like help them you know yeah yeah and she's like you know no I I, I need something on my you know I need I want to get transferred here and this that and the other and he's like hey yeah so what happens when they don't want to go huh they file a complaint against you yeah 
She's like, so I was just doing my job. And he's like, yeah, well, that complaint, it's still a mark on your record. And you want to get transferred? They're going to look at your record and they're going to see a, a, a complaint filed against you. And then you're not going to get a transfer. And it's like, I thought that that was how you got transferred. Was you yeah, just get was enough? You just get as enough complaints, and then they transfer you. No, no questions asked. Which, like, I, I mean, if you're wondering, I mean, just a little, a little bit of get ahead. But if you're wondering what he's doing working in Puerto Rico, apparently he got transferred. Like, is that that's kind of what they say, right? They say like somehow he got transferred from like Boston to Puerto Rico. Yeah, which I don't think that's a pipeline that happens. I don't well, think that he's, exists. He's not Boston. He's New York. Okay, um, okay. but. Uh, it's all the same to me. I don't really give a fuck. I'm from sure. California. Yeah, for sure. Who needs to know that bullshit? Um, yeah, I don't know why you would accept that transfer. Like, I, I don't know. It seems yeah. like... Just, yeah, I'll just move to a different territory. Move to a different, like, you know, area of the world. Exactly, yeah. Um, and they wouldn't transfer him anyway for what happens. We'll get to that. But, um, yeah. well, I don't know. Maybe they would. Okay, so... We get this scene at the grocery store. Oh, hold on! I, I got a quote. I got a quote from <laughs> okay. that. I got a quote from that part. Um, uh, when she asks, when she asks, like for advice, one thing he says, he says, "Don't trust him," and that applies everywhere, not just a place where they don't speak your fucking language. Yeah. And that that's kind of like a little bit of foreshadowing that doesn't really lead anywhere. You're like, man, this guy hates Puerto Rico. This guy hates Puerto Ricans, which like he does, but you just kind of know he does because he's like a white guy, and then like. That doesn't really... They don't really expound on that. That's the most racist it gets against Puerto Ricans. Yeah. Like, yeah. people are saying that, oh, it's it, because it's a Puerto Rican gang that, like, that's explicitly racist. And I don't, I don't know, because they're never, like, portrayed as, like, cartoonish uh, Puerto Rican caricatures. Like, the, the lead bad guy is a very competent, very knowledgeable guy with, like, you know, a mild accent. I don't, I don't see any real overt racism there there is yeah well that's not really i don't i mean it is a mild accent but it is the guy it is the it's the the detective from um the detective from dexter with the unique voice if anybody's watched dexter you know which i'm talking about he's like the lovable detective that's like the sister's like partner best friend he's like Bet batista or something yeah in the he yeah yeah i think you're right detective batista or something like that. so yeah. you're saying because he has an accent that it's racist no, no. Oh, you, oh, you're saying that's the most racist the movie gets? I thought you were just talking about his his mild accent. I'm like, his voice is very unique. Oh, no, is... I was just saying that I don't see much anti-Puerto Rican racism other than no. this Emil Hirsch saying uh, that he doesn't want to learn the language and he doesn't trust anybody, especially the people who don't speak his fucking language yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Okay, moving on. We get the scene at, at, a, at a grocery store with, like, you know, two characters we haven't met yet. Uh, a, a, a black character who is taking all the meat from the from the butcher at the grocery store just like loading up his cart with literally a hundred pounds of meat yeah 100 pounds um and a uh you know a, a puerto rican man and his son is like trying to get meat you know <laughs> so they can eat during the hurricane and he's like hey you know uh can i can can i have some meat you're taking it all can i have some and he was like, no, you can't. And he was like, please, like, I want, you know, let me have some. And he's like, you want me to, uh, the black guy's like, you want me to uh, beat you up in front of your son? You want me to fight you in front of your son? Yeah. And then the Puerto Rican guy uh, waves down a security guard and then tells the security guard that the black man stole his meat 
took the meat out of his son's hand, I think he says. Yeah. And See, sometimes Karens are actually Puerto Rican men in Puerto Rico, too. Uh-huh. And uh, the security guard tells him that he needs to leave the store. And so then the dude fights the Puerto Rican guy and gets, like, you know, detained or whatever. And this is, like, it's a it's a pretty interesting moment. It's a pretty interesting scene because... <laughs> It appears that this guy is hoarding food during a natural disaster. Like, that's something that we've seen very recently here, uh, you yeah. know, on this side of the, the, the world uh, or on, on this side of the states or whatever. Um, you know, we saw people hoarding goods and we saw, uh, you know, disaster capitalism in effect. It's a statement that, oh, this guy is, is uh, you know, stealing all this food for himself or hoarding it all for himself. But then this other guy lies to the police or lies to the security guard and says that this guy committed a crime, which he hadn't, which, you know, theoretically, like, put could put his life in danger. Yeah. Uh, and so it's a very, it's, it's like, who do you side with here? Do you side with the guy who just wanted meat for him and his son? Or do you side with, with the guy who actually didn't, you know, commit a crime? I, I, I mean, honestly, I think that this character... This character himself is like pretty racist. Like uh, that, just the idea that like this this person who like this is their worst moment in the whole movie. Like the rest of the movie, they're very like kind and like pretty open and sympathetic yeah. and like lovely, you know. Because they um, become a main character. He becomes a main character in the movie. Yeah, you don't see this per like. There's no way this person wouldn't have just said like, "All right, man, cool. Here's the fucking meat. All right, leave me alone." Yeah. Like that would have for sure happened, but like you, it's funny because they had to like lean on like the existence of the. They knew that if that guy would have accused him, he would have been wrong. That's a very believable, like a very believable plot point is like that that man would accuse him, and security guard would believe it. That's a very believable plot point. Yeah. So they kind of like use racism, but also like illustrated this guy as this weird like angry monster that doesn't make. That only makes less sense the more you find out what's going on with the meat. Well, it makes less sense overall but it makes more sense why he was hoarding meat and why we still think he's a yes. good person yeah because he has a reason to have all this meat he's not yes. doing disaster capitalism he's not stocking up for himself he has a reason for all this meat which is insane it's an insane justification but he really was like I don't know, trying to use the meat. Yes. <laughs> like, so. He wasn't going to go to waste. He wasn't going to throw it in a big bulk freezer. He wasn't going to try to profit gonna, on it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's just this very weird, like, op, like you know, you, you can't really, like, I don't know, for some reason there's these two, you know, minority characters by our, you know, in, in our context, and you can't really get behind either of them. It's kind of weird yeah, how that worked out. conflicting. <laughs> Emil Hirsch and his partner, do we, what's her name, Pena? Uh, I don't remember anyone's name. Like literally throughout my notes, it, it it's like, like cop, black guy. Like that's those are my notes. I don't know anyone's name. I didn't get the black dude's name. Uh, I got Pena because they say her name a lot because hey, she's. If you could do me a favor, if you could say black guy, it's a lot less abrasive for me. What did I say? Black dude. If you could just say black guy, I'd appreciate that. Why? It just feels better. Okay. This is not a real thing I'm saying. Just sorry. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, sorry, sorry. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> um, I figured that I'm talking to someone who actually listens. <laughs> so we got Pena because Pena gets kidnapped later. So they say her name a lot. 
we only learn uh, Mel Gibson's daughter's name, who's a main character in this, like, I don't know, uh, an hour and 15 to 20 minutes into the movie because she's been given a boy's name by Mel Gibson. Her name is Troy. Yeah, uh, which is a sick name for a girl, turns out. I don't know Mel Gibson's character's name, and I think Emile Hirsch's name might be Smitty or Smythe or something. Maybe. Anyway, so Emil Hirsch and Pena are in the van, and uh, a call comes in that needs their help, and Emil's like, don't take it. And she looks at him, and she's like, you know, defiant. She wants to get to work. She wants to crack some skulls. So she takes it, and she says, you know, we'll be right there. And they get called to the grocery store to deal with uh, our, our black guy uh, who, you know, like when the security guard tells the story to the cops, the security guard doesn't even say that he stole meat from the guy and his kid. He just says yeah. he was trying to clean out the meat section. That's all he yeah. says. Like it doesn't even like the security guard knew that the other guy was lying apparently. Um, yeah. And so he says, how much? And he says a hundred pounds. And he's like, why? And he's like, uh, I don't know. I got people back home that, that yep. won't leave my house. Or I, I got people back home I need to feed or something like that. And they're going to they're gonna make him evacuate. And he's like, no, I got to go home. I got to go home. And they're like, why do you have to go home? You know, tell me why you have to go home. That's a little suspicious. You know, you're not telling me <laughs> yeah. everything about your life. That's a little suspicious. And Emil Hirsch is, like, getting into it now because he can, like, you know, lord his power over somebody or he can, like, you know, funnel off his his anger and resentment into somebody. And so dude says, there's people in my building that won't leave. You're trying to evacuate people. There's people in my building that won't leave. There's an old guy and, like, a retired cop who uh, refuse to leave. And if we go back to go back to the building, you can get them and I can check in on my pet, you know. And that's when you're like, okay, a pet, he's got the meat, whatever. It's fun. Well, during that part, I'm almost thinking, like, he's getting the meat to go, like, feed the old guy and the, mm. the cop. I was like, I thought he was, like, trying to, like, feed his, like, building before he left, you know? Like, I don't know why I thought I was, like, still some sort of, you know, he was being more humanitarian than anything. And that's still very, you know, that still feels that way. So I was kind of, I was still with him at this point. So they go talk to, uh, they, they go knock on Mel Gibson's door and uh, Kate Bosworth answers it. And she's like, oh, good. You guys are here. Talk some sense into my dad. He won't leave. And the first words out of Mel Gibson's mouth, who's like sitting in a recliner, sitting in an armchair. She says, the, the PD's here. They want you to leave. And he says, uh, the current PD's filled with pussies who care more about liability and politics. I'm staying here. I'm not leaving cough 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 and it's yep. it's funny i don't know the line is kind of funny because he says the, the current pd's filled with pussies who care more about liability and politics than than what he doesn't then say what? yeah uh but yeah so that's the first line we get from mel gibson who just again looks completely awful looks like he's dying and be that's yeah. because he is he's like supposed to be like hacking up like he's doing that just just dying from old manness it's like what you know these like old like gritty old men die from it's just it's just the years the hours it's what's killing them there's no like prognosis i mean it's like pure spite it's pure spite yeah. for how how pussy cops are now that's um, exactly what it is yeah he talks to uh emil hirsch and he's like i recognize you i you know i recognize you and emil's like not really making eye contact 
and he's like, no, you're 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 Camillo or whatever your name his name yeah, is. He's yeah. like, yo, you're Camillo. I know who you are. He's all, did you ever catch the guy who did it? And he's like, I don't know what you talked about or whatever. He's all, because if it was me, we would have taken him. Blah blah blah. And he says uh, that uh, they. He tells this story about how. When he was working the force, they would get calls from this guy about, like, a rape or a burglary or something. And every time they would go, the guy would be on the rooftop shooting at them with with a BB gun. And after that happened, like, three times, see, what we did is we went over there and we broke his fingers. Yeah, they, like, beat him up. They, like, rubbed him out. And it's just funny to think of cops, like, taking fire from a BB gun and not instantly killing that person. Actually murdering them, yeah. Like, like not only are, is somebody pointing any type of gun at them, he's actually firing it at them. Those BBs can hurt, you know? They break the skin. Couple more pumps. Like, the first words would be, like, shots fired, officer down. Like, that would be, the, for sure, the first words. We know this is a... Like, there would be no clarification. They're like, we're taking heavy yeah. fire. Yeah. We need everybody here. They'd hear, like, the pinging off, off of a street sign and just fire back 70 rounds into the apartment building. Like, do you think the only reason they didn't kill this guy is because he's, like, the lead singer of Dropkick Murphys or something? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. That's, a, that's the only person it could have been. It could have only been one of those people. It's, like, the only reason they didn't murder him in his tracks. Yeah. Um... He, like, really wants to know what, like, the details of Emil Hirsch and why his character is in Puerto Rico now. Like, he knows why, but he wants to know the details of the actions. Also, so what happened? How'd it feel? How'd it go down? Tell me. Come on. Tell me. And it's very weird. Like, he's getting horny for yeah. this, like, story of, uh, you know, police misconduct or police, uh, you know, uh, abuse that we don't see for another, I don't know, 45 minutes of the movie. No. And Emil's like, Emil doesn't want to tell him. And then they, they get into a little bit of a fight or they, they start yelling. And he's like, you know, uh, stay here. Or you can go, whatever. You need to listen to your uh, your daughter or should I say your caretaker. And uh, like that that's like the He's like, I'm not going with him because he's a cop killing cocksucker. Yeah. He's like, hey, this guy, your partner, I watch your fucking back. All right. He's a cop killing cocksucker. Yeah, <laughs> and you still don't really know, you know, what happened. Um, and so they go to get the quote old guy, uh, while Pena stays with Mel Gibson's character, and uh, you know, uh, the daughter goes with Emil Hirsch for some reason to try and get the other old guy. Yeah, they go to the old guy who's like an old German guy who's got like a bunch of security features on his door. They want to, they they're like trying to get him to open the door. He doesn't want to open the door. Uh, and that's when, like, the Puerto Rican gang... Oh, we didn't say the, the bank scene. That also happens in the beginning of the movie. Yeah, the bank scene's pretty, like, pretty whack. Like, the bank scene, like, they go... They they find some uh, seem-to-be-powerful, well-off woman. The main gang, the main gangster, like, and a, a partner kind of corral her and walk side-by-side side with her. And, like, you know, just do the old school. Like, hey, don't... If you do anything, you just do what we say or we're going to fucking kill you. And like the next person next to you is do we say she takes him to security box and for some reason the bankers have like they're just totally clueless of this woman cl like clearly being coerced. Well, I think they uh, the bank is probably knows who these people are. Like I mean, he's like yeah. a high level supposed like gang guy. So I think people yeah. the, they probably know who he is and as long as they're not making a scene or flashing guns around, there's not much they can do. Okay, uh, yeah, that's true. 
and they they they're in the you know the room and they open up a security box and it's got like a, a piece of paper in it which i'm guessing is a map or something or it's a drawing the the, the piece of paper in the tube yeah it's a painting it's a painting that's rolled up yeah yeah it's it's uh it's it's like a it's a van gogh it's like it's like a famous painting oh what's the name of that famous painting huh uh it was like like night lilies or some shit like that okay so i just i thought it would connect them with the german i don't know how they get the german's location after meeting with this woman i don't know why that happens yeah anyway they're walking out of the bank with the woman and uh she starts like having a heart attack kind of <laughs> like faking a heart attack or saying she can't go on uh so the head guy shoots her in the head and his uh his partner also and they get out of there and like some of the dialogue in this movie is not too bad like honestly the worst part of this movie is the pacing and the action like the fight scenes yeah. and shit are incredibly bad and incredibly poorly done and edited and shot uh, anything that required any type of special effect or stunt was like bad well they added so many special effects during fight scenes like they would speed up the film for like yep. half a second when somebody was throwing a punch or when somebody was like uh you know swinging a leg or something and it just looked so fucking bad but in this scene yeah he shoots him and then he gets back into the car and then like in a, a piece of dialogue i actually liked uh the the getaway driver said you know what happened he's all oh, well she she pitched a fit i had to i had to get rid of her and he's all well what about baby and he says baby's been aborted yes Yep. Great line. Yep. Great line. Great line. <laughs> Great line. That was, clear, that was clearly the homie's nickname, and he's been waiting for years <laughs> to drop that line. He looked. At, he told baby one time. He said, "One day I'm going to kill you. One day I'm going to kill you. I'm going to call that. I'm going to call that homicide and abortion. Okay. Just so you know." Because the gangsters get to the get to the apartment complex, uh, they shoot the apartment manager that Tony likes a lot. Well, apparently, but th that's important because because what's his name? Emil Hirsch sees that. He's going out to talk, or maybe to talk to the guy, to, to the landlord, and he he sees the landlord get shot, and he's like, "Oh fuck! Oh shit! Oh fuck! We're get, we're on our attack!" Yeah. And that's where it all pops off, and that's when he like that's when they go to the black guy's apartment, and they're like, "Hey, like, let us in! You gotta let they us." They bring in. the German, they drag the German out of his apartment, and they go. Who up to also the has like an offensive like? If I was German, I would be offended by his accent. <laughs> I thought it was a good accent. I thought it was like believable. Like I think that's a real accent. Oh really? Because you like can't Maybe even like, understand it. It's it's like it's very thick. I'm doing some sort of like like double reverse racism right now. So they uh they the black dude doesn't. What's his fucking name, man? Can you I, look uh, up? Can you look up his name, please? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. They get into his apartment. Uh, he doesn't want to let him in, and he's being like you know uh pretty defiant and then uh emile hirsch's character threatens to shoot him through the door so he lets him in his um his name is griffin i didn't hear uh, which, griffin which, once they don't say it one time the only reason why i knew it is because i turn on the subtitles to hear the final line in the movie and it says griffin like before that it just dude, says who's saying it. his name is griffin dude i i had to use the subtitles a few times there's like there's parts like mel gibson gets shot <laughs> and he says he says uh they put another hole in me or something like that yep. he's or he says like i got a, i got an extra hole in this place or something like that and he's pointing it aside but what it sounds like he says is like they shot me in the familiar place 
<laughs> I was like, your kidney? Like, what? And then he put on subtitles, and it's just a totally different phrase. And that happens a few times. Uh, there's just no reshoots or, or no, you know, ADR or anything like that. Um, so they get up to the... Hold on. Let me, let, me go th- let me go through the cast names real fast. Okay. Mel Gibson's character's name is Ray Barrett. Okay, I think I heard... Then, I think the German says Ray at one point. Yeah, and then we got, then we got Pina, and then we got Troy, who's Kate Bosworth, and then Emil's name is Cardillo. But then David Zayas, the main gangster, his name is John the Baptist. John the Baptist, I remember that. Yeah. And then no one else has names of this, like, nine-person cast. Baby had, had a name. Baby's not listed. <laughs> They're in Griffin's apartment. He didn't look like a Griffin, if you ask me. <laughs> uh, actually, I mean, I only know one Griffin, and they, they, don't, they, they don't look that... Oh, you know a black griffin? I, I've never yeah. known a black griffin. I only know a black griffin. Okay. The only griffin I know is black. What's um, up, griffin? I don't know if you listen. I think you might. Shout out, griffin. So they're in Griffin's apartment, and he's, like, yelling, even though they're like, hey, there's, there's like, gangbangers looking for us right now. And Griffin's like, what? I won't be quiet. It's my apartment, and this is my Fifth Amendment. Or this, this is my First Amendment right. And he's just, like, yelling, and they're, and they're like, hey, you know, quiet. They're going to kill us or whatever. But then... There is a, like, shaking or knocking or pounding at another door inside of yes. this apartment. Oh, it's There's because... disturbance inside the apartment. He was already going... Yes. ...to he go the into process. the other room in the apartment, which has, like, eight padlocks on it. It's yeah, got eight, it's very like, sturdy security door. door, security locks on it. So he had, like, left it open when he was answering the door and when they were all yelling and shit... And then after that happens, like, the door bursts open, and he throws himself in front of it. And this is, like, the point at which I was like, okay, this is arguably the most interesting thing that's happened in the movie. Like, not even arguably. This is definitely the most interesting thing that's happened in the movie. There's some kind of monster behind this door that he has padlocked inside of his studio apartment. Or maybe it's a one-bedroom, and the monster just gets the bedroom. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And it is the most interesting tedious scene in the whole movie even more tedious than all the action scenes uh that i was talking about before because the scene consists of him throwing his his body in front of this door and then saying get the food and they're like what food the food it's on the it's it's in the bowl right behind you get the bowl get the food and they're like what what are you talking about what food and he says get the food the bowl and the food he says, get the food in the yes. bowl, like, 12 times in this scene. Which which would be so stupid if there wasn't the world's biggest bowl of food right there. It's like a wash tub full of meat. Yeah, it's like a big old thing of food. It's a big old basin with meat in it. That is way too much for any, like, animal, even like a wild animal would not eat that much meat. That would be like a whole pack of... of whatever this animal is eating the large thing of meat yeah yeah but i think it's supposed to hold the animal over for the whole hurricane yeah maybe it's I like know. when they it's like when you do you know you know like when you go away and you leave a mountain of food for the cats indiscriminately totally yeah oh oh <laughs> for things to be that simple yeah <laughs> would that i could yeah um so this goes on it just fucking it's an interminable about him shouting get the food and they're like what He's like, get the get the food in the bowl. What? It's behind you. Get the food in the bowl. What? 
huh? Get the food in the bowl, get the food in the bowl, get the food in the bowl. And then the door finally bursts open and he's dragged into the room. And you're like, okay, yes. well, there that guy goes. Yep, <laughs> there, yep. there goes Griffin. Maybe that's why I didn't learn his name. <laughs> it's because yeah. he died in the first 20 minutes. Uh, but then things get quiet and you hear him say, get the food in the bowl. It's on the table. <laughs> Get the food, and you're like, "Oh my God, this is still going on." He's you still write a different food. line. Write something Say else. Anything else. Shorten the Say scene. Else. Shorten the yeah. scene. You don't need this much yeah. dialogue in the scene. So, yeah. and then it takes like three minutes for Emil Hirsch to figure out what the food on the table is in the bowl. You know, it's the big pile of meat in the fucking center of the room. And Emil Hirsch knows. Emil Hirsch knows this man earlier was trying to clear out a meat section. To feed a pet. Yeah. Emil Hirsch knows this part. So that's the only thing he knows about this guy. So he takes the bowl and the guy's like giving him specific instructions. He's like, put the take off your uniform. It'll attack you if you're wearing your uniform, which is important uh, for later. Cause he's in his cop uniform. He's like, I trained him to attack cops because he's like, you know, he's a black dude. So that's what, yeah, that's what black guys do. So <laughs> we do. Yes, I have a German shepherd, but it's also trained it only responds in instead of german it only responds to aave <laughs> exactly <laughs> what is he saying he's speaking some different language <laughs> you gotta you gotta you say you gotta do something you gotta do a bit right there i can't do it <laughs> I, I can't i can't i can't listen to any early odds snoop dog around him <laughs> because the dog just loses his mind um, I followed an account on Twitter that was uh, struggle AAVE tweets, and That's it's awesome. it's just like screen caps of like bad uh, use of Amer- African American vernacular English. I love that. I yeah. want. I want that. It's really um, good. Send me that later. It's like, oh, we made all the tea, sis. <laughs> I, I need that type of like refreshing soft racism in my life right now. Like that's the kind of racism I, I'm craving right now. It's just really delicate soft racism. Somebody was like, Yeah, uh uh ASF for sure. And somebody was like, What what does ASF mean in this context? And the person was like, To be honest, I don't know. <laughs> Dude, I, I had I had like with that whole thing with the paper happened. And um, I had this I had this woman hit me up on Instagram and be like, "Hey, we could put this on Black Twitter and really get them." And I had to check the profile like three times, and I was like, "There were a white woman," and I was like, <laughs> "Wait, do you have some sort of access to Black Twitter that I don't have?" Like, yeah, she was probably with uh, what's his face from uh, a couple episodes who was going to uh, or no, <clears throat> that's from uh, the episode we did about Shooter's Grill. With what's her name, <laughs> who just won uh, the the Republican primary uh, in that area <clears throat> in in Colorado, Rifle, Colorado is where the Shooters yeah. Grill is, which is uh, it's it's a it's a pun on Hooters, but instead of like uh, having boobs, all the waitresses have guns. They also have boobs too, but uh, yeah. the point is that they have guns. They open carry guns, and somebody had a comment that was like, 
yeah, I want to send about 50 Black Panthers in there, open care. Yep. And it was yep. like just like a, a random white guy. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's the same energy. Hey, let's... So, t- Tony, you know what I'm going to do for you, Tony, about this article that they wrote? I'm going to send 50 Black Panthers uh, to, to the Redlands Daily Facts or whoever wrote yep. the Highland Courier. And like the, my response was just like, I mean, I can do that. <laughs> <laughs> And then they responded with just like devil emojis. Like I'm like, okay, I'm like, you're. I like your energy. You just <laughs> never mind. <laughs> and like I need that type of soft racism because it's so like nice to have that instead sure. of the other gnarly stuff happening right now. Emil Hirsch has to take off his uniform, and then put the. But he's like standing in front of the door wearing the uniform, and then the guy's like, take off your uniform. And so, yeah, uh, takes takes off his shirt, puts the food in the room, and then drags Griffin out of the room. And uh, that's it. And he's and yeah. and but Griffin is like severely injured. He's like losing he has blood. Yeah, pretty, pretty gnarly leg wound. Yeah, and um, they need to go find the doctor's apartment so that they can get you know antibiotics or or penicillin or whatever for griffin you know uh troy is there she's a doctor so she would know how to use all of that stuff to save griffin they got to get the supplies pena is still with mel gibson in their apartment and mel gibson is like trying to get her to leave but she won't leave and he keeps calling her sweetheart a lot which i don't know is that a reference to him calling that other female officer sugar tits uh Oh, he's like sweetheart. A nicer way to say sugar tits. Maybe that would make sense. This is a callback to his own real life. That's a little Easter egg bold. for all you all you Mel Gibson yeah. fans out there. <laughs> all the real Gib heads out there. Uh, she wants yeah. him to give a recommendation because he says he used to like lead that police department. Yes, that Emil yeah. Hirsch is from. Please shut the fuck up. She wants a recommendation so she can transfer this to this police department she tells him about her like biggest bust you know because he's like well fine if you're not gonna leave tell me something about yourself he's like tell me tell me a story tell me a story tell not me. like a disney story not like a like a like, like your favorite story like your best story tell yeah, me your best story gotta have a lot of balls uh <laughs> and she tells him about how she like inadvertently like busted a guy for a bunch of narcotics and he like laughs at her and says that oh the guy was just an idiot and that's why he got caught she i don't know she leaves and honestly like i i don't really care about this shit the german guy they leave to go to the doctors uh emil hirsch and troy like they leave to go find the doctor's apartment and they tell the german guy to put pressure on the wound on griffin's wound uh and then like as it's going back and forth between these characters Griffin is just randomly asks the German guy, so are you a Nazi? Yeah. <laughs> and the guy the guy doesn't say anything. And then Griffin's like, you don't like people like me, huh? And it's like weird because it would be like a stereotypical like black character thing to just accuse a German guy of being racist. It would be like a stereotypical yeah. like anybody who's like, naive or anybody who's you know an sjw or anything uh to accuse her but surprise surprise he is a fucking nazi the german guy is a nazi and what the gang gangsters are there to find is his stash of nazi stolen artwork yes 
Yes. So which is wild. Just like, you know, already a cliche, like such a cliche that it was in the Simpsons, you know, like that it was already a cliche back in 1993 or whatever year the flying hellfish came out. That was, I think season seven. So, uh, 1996, <laughs> 1998, maybe uh, somewhere in there. Um, dude, you're going to get shredded by Simpsons Twitter, bro. I know. Well, I know what dude, season it was. You're going to get so fucking fucked up by Simpsons Twitter right now. I know what season it is and the seasons encompass two, two different years. So by saying 96 or 98, I'm only like half wrong. Okay. Okay. It's one of those. It's it encompasses one of those years. Um, the, he guesses he's a Nazi because of his German accent. Yeah, uh, and then they have a much uh, a much better interaction later. But the first point of this movie where I was like, okay, here's something that's actually worth talking about. Um, yes. Emil Hirsch and Troy have like finally made it to the doctors. They've they've like climbed out scaffolding to get upstairs and there's like a long scene where they were being shot at from the ground and then she slips and falls and he has to grab her off the side of the scaffolding scaffolding and he tries to pull her up like four times and it doesn't work and it's just like a scene that lasts five minutes or something. Uh, they f- and then Emil Hirsch kills one of the bad guys because he's like a really good shot. They get into uh, the doctor's apartment or whatever and they're getting the stuff out of you know the cabinets and they have this dialogue scene troy and emil hirsch and i'm trying to remember how it starts because troy says that oh no they're not in the doctor's apartment they're in a woman's apartment he says do you know where we are yeah we're in this all these people know all the apartment numbers they know like where every like person in the apartment lives oh ray he's in 33b oh griffin yeah i've seen him around here he's in 22b like okay i i that's insane to me to know that but but they go in through the window of this woman's apartment and troy instantly knows who this woman is and she's like i mean you you only know the first two floors right once it goes past the third floor you're not really familiar anymore are you what, me personally? Of where, of where you live, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I guess I know who's right directly above me because they're loud as hell. But other than that, I don't. I, I don't know. Like I have people I know in the building. No, and no I, one. No one. But no one knows like their 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 building numbers. Their like no apartment numbers. No one knows. I have that. acquaintances in my apartment that I'm on friendly terms with. I don't know what fucking apartment they live in. Like I know my neighbor, and that's it. She knows who this woman is. The woman's not there. The woman's evacuated. But just like looking around the apartment, she's like, oh, I know the type of person who lives here. It's probably yep. this woman. Um, and she says this, she knows this woman because she comes into the hospital and tells them that cops hold her down and inject rat blood into her eyes. And this is like told as like a joke. This is like this crazy woman who says this stuff about cops. And it's like it's it's said in such a passing way that I had to turn on captions because I I couldn't understand what was actually I just heard injecting rat blood into her eyes and I was like, "Oh, is this did she say the gangsters did this and like they're demonizing, you know, the Puerto Rican gangsters yeah. or whatever?" No, she's the woman is a crazy person who hates cops and is lying about what the cops are doing. So she goes to the hospital and then the doctor troy gives her a vial of eyewash like an eyedropper mm-hmm. but has to tell her that it's holy water in the eyedropper so that the woman will use it because she's so like backwards and crazy 
And then Emil Hirsch is like, I know exactly which woman you're talking about. Yep. You know how I know that? Because she brought the eyedropper into the police department and asked us to test it for rat poison. Because she Dude. thought that she the doctor was poisoning her with rat poison. Like, honestly, we do need to talk about that on the show. Like civilians are the worst. <laughs> like civilians are just the worst. They're they're bad to people, they're bad to nurses, they're bad to cops, they're bad to first responders. Well they're either weak like, and stupid or they're crazy and like hyperbolic and they, they just want to like do damage to the police and they don't care if it's true or not. But it's it's very interesting because uh they're bonding they have this bonding moment over a woman who has like lied about both of their authoritative you know responses to her right because uh you know troy is a doctor she has a certain level of authority at the hospital uh emil hirsch is of course a cop so he has the ultimate authority um and they are bonding over like a stupid nuisance of a civilian who uh, just wants to spread like rumors and misinformation that they have to like, yeah. you know, put up with. They have to like tolerate her existence because like their hands are so tied because we we coddle these people now, you know. And she doesn't say like, you know, and we looked into it and obviously nobody was putting rat poison in her eyeballs. That 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 scene never happens. That dialogue never happens. Yeah, um I don't know, and it's just, you know, you hear these stories about like I've heard this uh, this stereotype that like the female version of of like the the male bully or the male uh, what do you call it like aggrieved aggressive person becoming a cop is becoming a nurse. Yeah, that is not yeah, to uh, put nurses at the same level of cops at all. That's not what I'm doing. But no. I have also heard many horror stories about nurses. I mean, it's one of those things too where it's like. Not all nurses are cop wives, but a lot of cop wives are nurses. I mean, it's a position of authority, so I'm sure it, like, attracts some, you know, a, a, it can attract a certain type of person. But again, like, nurses are, nurses are heroes. They're, like, a yeah. backbone of society. I'm not trying to paint with that. It, but it's the same thing with teachers. Like, you know, there are, there, a teaching position can be attractive to, like, an authoritarian type, you know? It takes a real type of piece of shit that exists in abundance to become a nurse for the power. Like, that's a real person. There's a lot of them. Um, but, that, I mean, they definitely... Obviously, there's a lot of great people doing it, too. Dude, um, I yeah, it takes a super sick person because, like, that's a really emotionally taxing job. Like, I... I tried to do, go that route. I couldn't do it. I was like too soft for it. Oh yeah, no. It's it's probably one of the hardest jobs there is. I mean, it's yeah. it's it's a manual labor job and like an emotionally stressful job at the same time. Yes. Like, yeah. uh, uh, you know, uh, I I had a friend in uh, elementary school whose mother was a nurse and literally broke her back from uh, rolling patients all day. So yep. it's it's like far far more difficult to be a nurse than a police officer, obviously. Um, yeah, easily. I just it's it seems it seems like they they have this like shared like almost borderline fascistic connection over the treatment of this like over their disdain Absolutely. for this civilian and like who they have to put up with because as they're both like relaying these stories she is like getting closer and closer to him and he's getting closer and closer to her as they're talking about this insane yeah. woman who like 
only has it out for them and they almost kiss like they get closer and closer and quieter and quieter uh and and it really feels like they're gonna make out that's a surface one yeah that's fine no it was a police report it was for the commissioner yeah she uh she thought that the police commissioner was stealing her coupons no Just this weird, like, romantic, like, I don't know, borderline fascist connection they share over the domination of a, of a civilian is very interesting. Pena leaves Ray to go find uh, Cardillo, but their walkie-talkies aren't working with each other because they're in the storm. And then she encounters one of like the gang, the gang members, yes, who forces her, who's like, "Where's the old man? Where's your partner, yeah. etc." And she's like the wily one, so she's like, "I'll take you to him." She walks back towards Ray's uh, apartment, and as she, this is like actually pretty good writing, it's really, it's still like shot very poorly. But as they're passing in front of Ray's apartment, she's like kind of slowing down and lagging to the point where the 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 gang member behind her like pushes her with the gun and is like get going and she's like hey stop pushing me with your gun she says it like really loudly right in front yeah. of ray's apartment and then it's not like telegraphed or anything but it's it's like you know what she's doing is a good idea and then she keeps going to like the end of the hallway and then ray comes out of the door behind them and uh kills the gang the gangbanger guy yeah and he, he like what do you say he like has a good line there um, some like good like tough guy line I have it written down. Oh yeah, he he like opens the door and just says, "Hey asshole," and then shoots someone. Like, <laughs> it's a great line. <laughs> it's a good line. And so they drag the body back into Ray's apartment, uh, and then they they try to go find I guess uh, you know Emil and Troy. Uh, Emil and Troy at this point they exit the apartment, and this is what I was talking about. It's like kind of an actually funny action scene because um, something happens and. Uh, Emil Hirsch ends up having to tackle the other guy and they both go over the railing of the of yeah. the apartment complex and I don't remember why but it was it was a funny reason that he that he had to do that and so they both fall and he lands right on top of the other they fall like four or five stories hundreds of feet and they're fighting down there Mel Gibson is like, you know, takes like, I don't know, 20 seconds to see if he can shoot them from where he's on the railing. He's like, I don't have a shot. And so then they go down like two more stories and then he does it again for like another 20 seconds trying to aim at them. Uh, and the guy is about to kill Emil Hirsch and you hear shots ring out and Emil goes down and then more shots happen and the bad guy gets killed. Yeah. And what you find out happens is... She shoots Emil Hirsch in the Troy, shoots Emil Hirsch in the leg, and then shoots the bad guy. And Mel Gibson is like impressed by this. He sees he sees her do it, and he's like, "Oh, cool." Smart. Um, and Smart it's girl. That's my girl. And so eventually they get to the doctor's office, and you learn like he's like she's like dressing Emil Hirsch's wound in his leg, and she's like, "Oh, it went right through your your tibia and your fibula, or whatever the two bones in your in your yep. you know lower leg are." And he's like, oh, lucky me. And she's like, lucky you. I'm a great shot. Yep. Yep. Totally. And it's like, she like names the bones and shit. And it's like implying that just because she's a doctor that she knows how to like shoot a gun through the two bones in your leg. <laughs> like, And she also says something along the lines of like, 
Oh, like like you've never been shot before? Yeah. And, and I was like, what? Like, is it just a thing that all cops have been shot before? I mean, the way they talk, yeah. Right? Like, it's like part of being in a... You're a rookie until you get shot. I thought that was funny. She shot him to, I guess, get him to drop out of the way of the... Sh like, he was being strangled. Like, there's there was no way for him to drop anyway. But I just think it's a, yeah. it's a very funny idea. Like, Mel Gibson who's like this, you know, tough cop who thinks like we're too soft on criminals now and like, oh, is, do you worry too much about liability and you worry too much about like, you know, the paperwork and, and the fine print and uh, you can't just do your job. He sees his daughter shoot a hostage to get the hostage out of the way to yep. kill the bad guy. And he's like, damn, that's right. <laughs> that That's good. That's cool. He was probably happy that she didn't have a badge. She doesn't have to deal with all the paperwork. Absolutely. This is a citizen's arrest. That's, I mean, that's like, but it's just, it's so funny because it is almost like a, like a, a lethal weapon type thing. It is almost Absolutely. something it's like totally Mel Gibson would weapon, do yeah. in Lethal Weapon, you know? Instead of pointing the gun at his own head in this instance, he shot the actual hostage. To Instead of dislocating your shoulder, you're like, <laughs> you take one to the thigh. But he's actually like such a good shot that he put it clean through the leg, you know? So like, you <laughs> yeah. really can't complain. <laughs> That's really what Emil Hirsch was doing in the bathtub with the gun in the mouth. It was like practicing where to line it up <laughs> he was, so where you can shoot yourself in the head and still live. He was like practicing the end of Fight Club. He's like, this might happen. <laughs> yeah. I'm feeling, I'm feeling, you know, not quite myself lately. What if an alternative personality takes over my body? I have yes, to know where to point I have this to do, gun. Yeah. I have to know where to shoot Tyler Durgan right in the face. Um, so then we get a story about Troy growing up with Mel while she's uh, stitching up Emil Hirsch's leg. She talks about how good of a shot she is because she was raised by Mel, uh, uh, Ray, and she tells a story about how on Thanksgiving, Ray bought a bunch of t frozen turkeys, but not for eating. Uh, it's because he wanted to shoot them target practice is what she says and it's like this is the other point where i was like okay this another thing to talk about with this movie <laughs> like something else that's actually interesting to talk about because i can't imagine the type of psychopath who's like i need target practice but it can't just yes. be like literally any other object it can't just be a piece of paper or the side of a hill it has to be something with flesh well yeah it's much like it's like tattooing, you know. Um, it just feel it feels different to shoot flesh. You have to get, you have to like desensitize yourself to it, because yeah. like with tattooing, you know, you're gonna see a lot of blood, and you're gonna uh, you know you're gonna make a lot of mistakes and shit. So uh, you wanna you wanna like desensitize yourself to that sort of thing. And I don't know if you know this, but if you ever get shot, the skin around the wound instantly turns dimply, like a, like a turkey. Mm -hmm. Like a like turkey dimples. It's really eerie, and you have to get used to that. She talks about how she always she wanted to be a doctor, so she would operate on the turkeys after Ray shot them full of lead. Is what she I, says. I don't. I don't see this happening. No. I don't see anybody letting their kid play with a raw turkey. I mean, Ray after, would. <laughs> Ray Ray would like make her eat eat the heart of the kill yeah, or yeah, something. Yeah. You know. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Um. But it's not only that. It's like what is left to operate on. 
after you after you shoot a turkey full of lead like the bullets don't lodge into a into a turkey dude i mean maybe if it's frozen i guess but you can't operate on a frozen turkey either i don't know it's just it's just weird like alpha nonsense that she's like yeah that's yeah. just what it was growing up with ray that's, that's just what dad was like yeah and then she says you know oh, he wanted a son she's like obviously he, he gave me the name troy <laughs> yeah incredible uh so then this is where we get Emil Hirsch's backstory. He finally tells her, uh, like, what Ray was talking about when he accused him of being a cop killer or whatever. Uh, Emil, it's a flashback scene of Emil and a blonde woman uh, having sex in his, like, muscle car. Yeah, his Dodge Charger for sure. Yeah, they're they're fucking in the Dodge Charger like on the side of a wash, you know, in New York or the side of a port or an inlet or something. And they get a call uh and he wants to take it, but his partner slash like lover, it's I don't think they were married, but he doesn't say. He says she was my and then Troy's like, "I know." And so that's that's all that's you know given to her. She doesn't have a name or a a title or a, or a you know a, a relationship in 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 relationship to him. Yeah, but, it is all weird because like I, they're definitely like hooking up in this car, which is weird for like you know in general. Um, but then like the, he takes the he takes a radio call, not like a cell phone. He, it's a radio. It's like his like it's like his. You know, unmarked vehicle almost. Yeah, it's, he's like a detective or something. So yeah. he's in that car, um, and so they take the call, even though he takes the call, even though she doesn't want to. Um, and he like he tells her to stay in the car, and then he goes inside because they had a some apartment building had a report of an armed gunman, and so he goes inside and he's he's wandering through the apartment. And he like he looks exactly like Leo in like Inception, like Inception era Leo mm -hmm. is like pretty much what he looks like. And he's going through these hallways, and he sees a gun poke out from like behind a door, coming around a corner or coming out of a stairwell or something. And he just shoots him. He says, "I see a gun, and I got jumpy, and so I shot." And Troy is like, "And it was her." And he's like, "Yep, she had entered the bit." Like how? Sorry, but how stupid is that? That's so stupid. Like, how does she find some alternative route to go to? And, like, why would she have done that? Why would you do that without alerting the other officer who's in there? Yeah. Like, you're a cop. You know how trigger-happy cops are. Yes, why would totally. you? Why would you do that? Like, you are going to shoot him. If he doesn't shoot you, you're going to shoot him. Yes. Like, maybe you should, should coordinate, know. which, like... Anyway, he kills her, right? And he still goes through the apartment looking for the other gunman. And uh, he, he eventually meets up with a guy. Who he's like, oh, you called this in? And he tells us that the guy called in an armed gunman because he was worried that the police were taking too long to respond to his noise complaint. Yeah, yeah. Which is like the exact same thing that happens earlier with like the false claims and like wasting their time. And it's just, and like, that's the same thing that Mel Gibson talked about earlier too. It's this thread throughout where it's like civilians can't be trusted. Yeah. 
911 calls are a waste of time and only put cops in danger. <laughs> maybe maybe that's like the maybe that's like the the avenue we take is like calling 911 puts cops in danger. Right. That's why we shouldn't do it. Yeah. Um and I think another very interesting like, you know, this is a this hues to a lot of the themes we talked about on the show, but it's just interesting that it manifests this way because it's so it's like it's bad. It's not doing the propaganda that it want that they want it to do. Because what we're being told is that a guy called in a false report of a gunman, right? And so cops responded much too aggressively. Guy went in on his own without yep. backup and shot like the first person he saw coming around the corner. Yeah. It's actually a good outcome that that person he shot happened to be another trigger another happy cop, cop. Yep. yep like good <laughs> like who was she gonna shoot you know what i mean yeah. like you're not making the argument that you think you are no like the like, argument are, the argument that's being made here is that if you call the cops somebody is getting killed and it's just lucky yes. it happened to be another cop this time yeah. And, like, if you're a civilian telling the same story, you're going to tell the story where you would have tried to take the gunman down yourself, so you would have had a gun, and the cop would have killed you. So it's like, there's no winning here. Like, yeah. it all looks bad. And for some reason, it still made it through several cuts, and, like, you know, made it to this, fi this final film that's, like, the basis of this character arc. It's arc. like, from our perspective, this civilian or the guy who made the initial phone call is a piece of shit for, like, putting everybody in that building... Yes putting yes. their lives in danger including his own they're a piece of shit but in that mind of the story in the mind of like what the movie is trying to say and what hirsch is trying to say is that that guy is a piece of shit because he made him kill his partner yes he made exactly. him shoot his own partner when in reality it should have been just somebody else it should have been somebody else in the building that he killed and there's a line right here he tells this story and he's not crying He's not like, he's like sad yeah. about, he's like bummed about it. Killing his lover accidentally. Like Romeo and, and Juliet like, shit, you know? He's telling someone this that he's known for hours. Yeah. Maybe hours. She says, that's not on you. You know that. And he says, I know, but it happened to me, you know? <laughs> I, and then he says, uh, I put her in that position. Um, which is like, again, just she's a cop with age. She's an adult female yeah. cop with agency, so much agency that she decided to put to, to like go into this situation in the worst way possible. Yeah. You know, gun drawn, gun drawn, no communication with the other person who's like hunting in the building as well. Yes. Like it's insane. It's insane that they, that they didn't have a firefight in this apartment and kill three, three other people. Yeah, you know? just, just mowing civilians down, yeah. Um, so it's just instantly, it's just, that's not on you. You know that. I know, but it happened to me. Like, hey, you know, the shit, shit rolls downhill. Hey, you know, sometimes, like, bad stuff happens to good people like me. <laughs> um, and so then, right after that, he, she says, I always said I'd never hook up with a cop. <laughs> instantly he is just They're so horny he has just told her that he killed his lover accidentally that he accidentally yes. shot his lover to death and she's like you know i swore i'd never hook up with a cop but everything <laughs> i've heard everything i've heard here boy i'm just getting so many high value alpha alerts 
big time <laughs> big time from you <laughs> this is like another mel gibson trope though too where it's like the 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 woman is so into his injuries that he's sustained from being a, a badass cop that they get horny right then and there it's like it's like the scar scene this the scar chain scene from from lethal weapon oh, which we yeah. might have to just revisit that whole series um it's it's also that that scene is also in roadhouse yes it's, yeah, it's, yeah it's very much in roadhouse because he's actually fucking a doctor in that movie and she the first time he goes to the doctor she's like examining all of his scars yeah uh and he's like you know telling a story about each one and then he tells her that he's the one who like you know stitched himself up or whatever <laughs> she's like impressed right oh she's very like impressed how, these are good these yeah. clean clean stitching who did it yeah, he's all yeah, me totally. you know and she's yeah. like okay i'm gonna give you some a shot for the pain and he's all no thanks and she's like really it's gonna hurt Ooh. and then he mm. says uh the famous line pain don't hurt pain don't hurt yep yep great movie love that movie uh fantastic film so she says troy says i always said i'd never hook up with a cop and then emile hirsch says why because of your dad and then she says I'm not really into kissing my dad, you know, <laughs> which is weird. It's a weird yeah. thing to say. It's a weird uh, thing to say. Uh, and then he says, well, daddy issues, huh? <laughs> which is, I think, a little a little weirder. Like, that's not the right thing to say there either. No. The correct response Stop. to that is like, yeah, if you think that cops are your dad then yeah, you shouldn't kiss him. <laughs> like, you shouldn't... Yeah, absolutely. That's a weird thing for you to do. But he's like, oh, you don't want to kiss your dad? Someone's got daddy issues. <laughs> also, like, s stop talking about the dad, dude. Like, maybe yeah. leave... Maybe the dad thing is not helping you. <laughs> That's just what a force Mel Gibson is. Force of nature, arguably. Yeah. <laughs> um, so then we cut back to Griffin and the Nazi. God, Griffin and the Nazis should have a spinoff, I think, right? Cut back to them. We get Griffin's backstory where he said, cause, because the Nazi asks him, why did you train your animal to attack police? And he says, he tells his story about how he had been getting stopped because he fit the profile of whatever crime had taken place. Uh, he'd been getting stopped his whole life, you know, and he was sick of it. And so... One time the cops stopped him and he said a few choice words is what he says. And then he pushed off of one of the cops. And then the next thing he knew, he woke up in a hospital. And then he sued the city and he got a settlement and he used the settlement to move to Puerto Rico and rescue the animal who has a female name like Loretta or something like that. Yeah, Janet. It's I think like it's that. Janet. Janet, I think maybe. And which would be sick, which would be sick because that might be a Janet Jackson reference who does have the song Black Cat. Like that would be that that that's a good Easter egg. I think you're giving I'm a fan the, of this movie now. the Poland brothers a little too much credit. I just love I just think that Rhythm Nation is an opus and I think that it's one of the greatest pop albums of all time I think you're not wrong um, then he says uh, about the settlement apropos of nothing he says feels like dirty money like I took like I took something that didn't belong to me mm -hmm. do you know what that feels like 
says that to the Nazi whose stolen artwork is being like is is the MacGuffin of this movie. Yes. And the Nazi says, "I do." He's comparing the settlement that he got for for being obviously got the shit kicked out of him or definitely being like assaulted by the police. The settlement he got from that and saying that he feels dirty about like it's dirty money and then it gets compared to <laughs> stolen Nazi paintings immediately. His connection to the Nazi is that they both like had ill-gotten gains, you know? Like just uh just you ever you ever feel like I don't know, just sometimes I feel like I, I systematically exterminated an, an entire people, uh, known as the American taxpayer. Yeah, exactly. It feels like uh just gosh, it feels like I used the deficit to uh make lampshades. Yeah. <laughs> uh do you know what that feels like? And the German is like, well, wow, the, you're oh. you're a bad person. I mean, I feel like kind of bad, but you sound awful. You sound really terrible. So I guess I can kind of relate, but not as hard as you. I I didn't go that deep, bro. It doesn't make sense like why he thinks this is ill-gotten money. He never explains yeah. why. He's just supposed to feel like a welfare king. Like that's what you're supposed to take away is that he got like the ultimate payout uh you know for being black uh not because he was unjustly targeted and assaulted and i don't know it sounds like he was almost fucking killed just for uh looking the way he does uh and he has like somehow uh, determined that uh that's that's blood money that's ill-gotten what, what i really hate about this scene is that like it really ruins the whole movie for me because this movie should have ended where where uh you know, they take him to his back to his apartment, and they're cops. So he just opens that door, and they both get murked by the giant cat because the cat's trained to attack cops. That should have been the end of the movie. Yeah, but like, yeah. like, you know, like, yeah. That's the. This is the whole reason you did this, dude. Like, the whole reason you trained this cat was so that the cat would like would would kill cops. Like, that's the right. reason why you did this. There is in the apartment in the studio. There is a mannequin set up with a tattered police uniform on it. Yeah, yeah. Like he's been training the cat like Rocky Balboa, and it's been going at it's been going at this like uh, you know punching bag basically. <laughs> so uh, the black dude who was a victim of police brutality is compared to a literal Nazi. Um, l like later on, it's they're talking about the the paintings that the Nazi has, and he's like that like that's blood money, that's blood money, yeah. and it's like so they're trying to say that what griffin got was blood money and it's like yeah it's blood money it's his blood yeah exactly it's like he's the one who paid for it <laughs> exactly yeah like it's they, it's so insane what makes it bad is that, like that they're trying to like silence him and not like atone for what they did that's what's bad yeah it's it's wild and it's also it, an like, argument like, for not having taxpayers bail out fucking like violent cops yes absolutely absolutely <clears throat> um uh i only have like that's about it, right? So it's just stupid. I, I don't want to spend too much time on the plot unless there's like, I mean, we'll go over well, the plot real quick. We're gonna hit the ending. We're gonna hit all yeah. The we'll hit stuff. the ending, yeah. but I'm just gonna go right through it because it's kind of like pointless at this at, at this point. They they catch Pena. They hold the they enter the eye of the hurricane. So finally, communications are back between uh, the CB radios. They tell. Emil Hirsch, he's got to bring the the German, or he's got to, yeah, he's got to bring the German to them, you know, in in a few minutes, or Pena's gonna die. 
They bring the German to him, and then they take him to where the German has actually stashed all the paintings, which is in Ray's rec room, the cop's rec room. And this whole yeah. time, I thought they were looking for one painting. I thought they were looking for one single painting. It was real confusing. It's very yeah. confusing. But no. Because you were like, why did this guy. Because he thought it was the painting from the very beginning. You know, I thought it was the painting from the very beginning that was inside that, that, that box. And I'm like, how did he lose the box? How did he lose the painting back to this guy? Because the whole time and, they're trying yeah. to get into a safe in the German's basement. But there's no. There's nothing in the, the safe. So they have to find the real location. It seems like they're like trying to trick the bad guys and they're like, oh yeah, uh, it's in it's in this apartment, follow me. And the German's like, yeah, Ray was the only one I trusted. And I was like, oh, they're taking them to like where the, the tiger is. Yeah. And they're gonna kill him. And it's like, no, they're taking them to Ray, Mel Gibson. Oh, Mel Gibson gets killed. We should say that. Uh, he gets shot Pretty a bunch of times, yeah. which is cool. And so they go to Ray's apartment and he's got a rec room that it's just all the paintings. All the paintings are on the wall. And then they're unloading them. Uh, the head bad guy shoots the old German guy, I guess. Yeah, the old German guy. It's yeah. off screen, so you don't see it. <clears throat> he's like the he's like the first like gnarly kill, and it's also like uh you don't see it, you just see the blood splatter on one of the paintings. On one of the paintings, yeah, totally wasting it. Uh yeah. so they unload all the paintings and the head bad guy is like, okay, now give me your uniform to Emil Hirsch because he's going to like sneak out. And it's like, okay, finally we're getting to what we all knew was was coming. Uh, he's like, give me your uniform to Emil Hirsch. And then as soon as he gives him the uniform, Emil's like, oh, you really believe that those were the paintings? They're not actually the paintings. <laughs> They're the decoy paintings. And the bad guy's like, oh, where, where, where are the real paintings then? Let's go get the real paintings. And so then he leads him to uh, Griffin's room. And this is when he's saying like, oh, the German guy actually hid paintings throughout this entire apartment, uh, entire apartment complex. He actually owned the apartment complex. So there's paintings all over. And I was like, okay, he's just like lying to him, I guess, to get him to go into this room to back to Griffin's well, also, apartment. But then they go, remember? they go into Griffin's apartment and there's an actual paint. There's an actual famous painting in Griffin's apartment. Yes. So it's like the German guy did own the building and did seed paintings throughout the apartments. And I don't know, Emil Hirsch somehow found this out at some point on his own. No. Yeah. I mean, no, that's just a thing. You know, in Puerto Rican culture, um, if you own, uh, if you own an apartment complex and you're an old German Nazi, you traditionally, you would give every tenant a painting that they have sure. to put in their house. There's like, just like, like, no, like they're in Griffin's no. apartment for like a good 20 minutes of this movie and there's yeah. no like shot of a painting on the wall or anything like um, like this this was a nazi who didn't doesn't like african-americans when did they have the conversation where he was like here's a painting for your apartment yeah, yeah they didn't like <clears throat> each other before that like they weren't friends no he says like you don't like me like we don't know each other at all anyway like, he, so. they introduced each other they, they introduced themselves to each other like in right. that scene, they introduced it. It's like, so weird. There's yeah. no reason for the painting to be in there. Like he knows the name of that painting, the the bad guy, and so he knows that it's. He's like, this is the the crown jewel this of the is collection. The one, yeah. Um, oh, I thought it was called the crown jewel. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> he like, tells the whole story, the whole history of the painting. Yeah, that, how much it's worth and where it was auctioned. This was auctioned off. for five thousand yeah. dollars in eighteen nineteen, and blah blah blah. So he's looking around the room and. Uh, 
Emil Hirsch has like in another good bit of writing uh, the bad guy says to take the painting off the wall so Emil Hirsch sends Pena because she's still wearing her cop uniform he sends her across the room to get the painting off the wall that's a good thing getting her out of the line of danger when, when what's going to happen happens but then as the bad guy as John the Baptist is looking around the room he sees the door with all the locks on it and again we're first introduced to this apartment with the monster banging on the other side of the door. That yes. just happens instant. Maybe the monster's full. Maybe the cat is full, so it's not making any noise. But they're in this apartment for like a good 10 minutes, and they don't. there's no noise coming from behind the door. He sees the door with all the locks. He says, what's behind there? And Emil Hirsch, instead of saying, who has all this knowledge about the building and where the paintings are, he says, oh... Uh, nothing's behind that door. Like, suddenly he's trying to play reverse psychology with the bad yeah. guy, which doesn't make sense, again, because it's like, oh, so you want me to go in there? That's kind of weird. But anyway, he says, oh, nothing's and behind And Hirsch has no stakes in protecting these paintings. Like, that character's right. not supposed right. to have any stakes in protecting these paintings. And the guy's like, oh, it's a lot of blocks for nothing. And he's like, open it. So Emil Hirsch goes over, and he goes to open it, with all the locks and he literally says are you sure you want to do this and like looks at the camera and looks back at the bad guy and looks at the camera <laughs> <laughs> like he's like hang on to your hats folks you know yeah yeah and uh the bad guy says open it and so emil hirsch is like you know as you wish and like rips open the door uh and we see the lion for the first time which is just like a puppet thrown across the room at the bad guy and you hear a bunch yep. of gunshots and it goes to black uh and then we uh go to a hotel or a, sorry a hospital where griffin is uh waking up in his bed yeah which is incredible like that like it ends so well and also because the cops show up remember they're able to get a hold of the cops so the cops show up and everyone's safe now now not only not only does like not only does like uh Wait, we don't see the cops the guy show get up. Eaten. We don't see the cops show up or anything. I think they do. I think they like they like imply there's like lights coming out there. We see I from my You don't see any cops though. You see news reports about what happened afterwards. Like you see the crime scene okay, of the yeah. apartment complex on the news and that like that news footage is being watched from inside the hospital room. But I thought I remember them having to be like saved, but yeah, yeah, you're right. No, you just hear gunshots. You just hear a bunch of gunshots, and it goes to black, and it's like, and that's the story of the hurricane heist, too. You know. Yep. Yep. Um, the cops come to visit them. You know, they're like, it's all a big joke. Like this whole thing is a big joke, and uh, it, uh, what's his name? Emil Hirsch's character is suddenly very like wry and like has a very good sense of humor and he's not an asshole anymore like all of that happens like as soon as he starts talking to Troy basically he just becomes this like kind of suave like borderline clever funny guy and, and that's what happens when you fall in love though right and you know that's exactly like people can always change as long as they fall in love remember that when you're trying to find a partner they can always change if they fall in love Wow. So use that. Well, so that, I mean, so I'm already like a suave, uh, smart, funny guy. What am I going to change into when I fall in love? That's, it's kind of a scary thought. That, yeah. Oof. I don't know if anyone can handle that. I know I couldn't. I don't know. I, who knows? Uh, 
they come in and he's like, hey, I need to ask you about an incident that happened in an apartment. And then they all laugh, you know, because they were all like there. Uh, and the doctor's there. Troy is his is Griffin's doctor. And Griffin says, uh, so how'd you get out anyway? How'd you get out of the, the apartment complex? And Emil Hirsch says, well, uh, I fed your cat while you were out. Yep. And they, yep. and they all laugh. And I'm just like, that cat's, that cat's dead, right? Yeah. Like, Janet died. Janet got shot to death. Yeah, there's no way that Janet didn't get like, shot to death. Like, this cat that you loved, that you risked your life and imprisonment for, got, like, shot to death. And you yeah. all, everybody in the room is laughing about it. <laughs> like, including yourself. But, like, like, they... I guess that's a good joke, but like you said, they weren't clear about what happened at all. They left the no, left no, a little no. open ended. No, he's gonna be bummed later on. Yeah. Um, and then uh, they he flirts more with the doctor. Oh, for like three whole minutes of like yeah. this, they're they are an inch away from each other's faces, just being like, "Oh, bet you won't like me in fun. Like, bet you won't kiss me. I bet you won't." Oh, you're so like it was just really it's bad this, flirting, like monologue, <clears throat> like dialogue. I mean, it was so bad. It's this like really bad romantic comedy or romantic action writing, where both characters clearly want to fuck each other, but somebody has to like pretend like they don't want to fuck the other person to to like have catty banter, you yeah. know. And so it's just it's really like forced writing where he's like, oh, so. uh are you going to take these uh, stitches out of me sometime? Because that's like a callback yeah, to yeah, the other joke. Yeah. And she's like, or he's like, because I wouldn't trust anybody else or like, you're the best at it. And she's like, oh, I'm even better at other things. And then yep. he's like, gets close to her and she's like, not on your life, bud. And it's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, what is, what is going on here? And it's women, right? Women are the problem. They send out all these signals. Like they want to take your <laughs> stitches out and they want to do even more stuff to you. But then when it's time to smooch in public while they're on the clock, they refuse. <laughs> In front of there's like two homies, like it's a really weird room. They don't address the other two people who are in the room watching this happen the whole time. Also, one of also her dad's dead. Her dad just died. Her, her dad like just died. Like well, yeah. Day now before. she doesn't have to kiss her dad anymore. Her dad's dead. Yeah. So now like the cop isn't her dad anymore. She's finally free. There's a rule where you can only kiss one cop at a time. <laughs> okay. Can we... I don't think that's a rule. I, I think that rule gets violated all the I time. So I think so, too. that's the whole thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and so he's... Uh, Emil Hirsch is like, hey, we'll see you around, bud. Because he's, like, snapping and winking at, like, everybody, you know, in this scene. Yeah, yeah, And he's yeah. like, hey, left you a little present. And then yep. he leaves the room and Troy, taking her cue for no reason, who's like, I don't know, like, sh she's not... She's not a cop. She's not. Anyway, she goes over to the bed that's opposite of the room of Griffin and pulls back the privacy curtain, and it reveals like a, a good painting. Yeah. That and he <laughs> and he's like, oh fuck! Now I gotta figure out how to sell this shit. Yeah. And I love that line. Um. Yeah. And it's just like I don't. It's such an insane. Th like they all went through this thing together, and now he loves cops. And the cops gave him like a million dollar painting. 
and that <laughs> a sweet million song dollar is playing nazi painting like dude had a problem with accepting a police brutality yes. like yes. rightful claim and he's now not he's gonna a- sell a holocaust painting <laughs> he's not gonna do it <laughs> Well, okay, so I'm of the mind that, like, I don't give a shit who that painting belonged to in the first... Like, as long as you didn't kill anybody to get, you know, any, like, Jewish people to get it yourself or your family or whatever, if you didn't benefit from that specific uh, act, like, directly, it's like, who's it going to go... It's going to go back to, like, the millionaire, the heirs of, like, whatever millionaires had it before, like... I yeah, wouldn't feel yeah. bad about taking it. Is basically so, what I'm saying. If anybody if has any that, ill-gotten yeah. World World War II gains, I'm I'm more than happy to take them. He'll take he'll take on that that karma for now. You. If it's something like I don't know a cultural heirloom or something like that, of course not. You know, I'm not Hobby Lobby over here. But uh, no, if it's a fucking painting, but, like yeah, yes, I will take that. And just remember, if it was like made by like a white artist, it can't be a cultural heirloom. So like. Right. Get, hand him on over. Right. Um, so uh, when Pena is like, come on, hot stuff to Emil Hirsch's character, because that's like what the end of the movie is. Everybody's fucking joking. She's like, come on, come on, daddy and rock me like a hurricane, or let's rock, rock like a hurricane. She says that. They leave cut to the credits where a song that is not rock you like a hurricane no is playing but it's a very rocking song that like the guitar like feedback starts when she opens the curtains <laughs> all right <laughs> let's go rock me like a hurricane hey uh, i got you something okay ah. I gotta figure out how to sell this shit. She opens the curtain to reveal the painting, and it's all wow. It is and then, like it starts. It is not rock you like a hurricane. It is a song called "It Hit Me Like a Hurricane." <laughs> because I was like, okay, this is obviously not the original "Rock You Like a Hurricane," but I don't. I I kind of barely remember the verse in "Rock You Like a Hurricane." Is this like an updated mid two thousands cock rock cover of "Rock You Like a Hurricane"? Because I'm hearing allusions to like a storm. I'm hearing allusions to like uh, a dry desert that is you know and like and like rushing water and shit. I'm like, is this a, did like Velvet did like here? Velvet Revolver cover "Rock You Like a Hurricane"? <laughs> And yeah. No, it's just a totally different song with Hurricane in the title and uh, weather-like themes in the lyrics. That's the movie. Uh, I just have one Facebook comment uh, to read that um, 
you know, I think we didn't we didn't really care for this movie. So normally, you know, we read like takes contrary to our own. Normally, we read you know comments that we don't agree with by and large. Uh, yeah. This episode, however, I'm going to read a comment uh, who agrees with us that this is, this is not a very good movie. Uh, and this is from Bobby Walters on Facebook, who says, Another one hit the dust! Dot, dot, dot. Bruce Willis just came out with a flop. Am assuming because of the COVID-19 he made, quote, surviving the night. Now here comes Mel doing the same thing for money. Dot, dot, dot. Anyone remember the days when actors will turn down a movie because they think it's crap? Example, I watch a documentary about Chris Tucker where he turned down so many movies because they sucks and even turned down some that went on to be hits. Real quick, real quick. I, I, I think that that is a thing. I think we all heard about that being a thing. Like Chris Tucker apparently like at, for, for After Rush Hour was very picky about his scripts. I don't think that there's a Chris Tucker documentary. I don't know. I would be interested to watch it if there were. I, I, like, I would totally watch like it, but I'm Tucker. pretty sure there's not. Bruce Willis was supposed to have this role. Bruce Willis backed out, and then Mel Gibson uh, picked it up. Thanks to online watching where we can fast-forward movies like, quote, Force of Nature, I watched the trailer, and it looks like crap, so I have not watched it as yet. <laughs> quote, Mel, end quote, is broke why he made this crappy movie he need money to maintain his ton ton dot 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 what is that don't know how is that spelled t-u-n all caps t-u-n t-u-n space t-u-n i have no clue what that's supposed to even mean i don't know either half one half star dot 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 ponder this said it best when he said well that was a waste of my time sorry mel you need to retire <clears throat> i yep. think that's the best way to say this movie we can blame this on covid19 because crappy movie like this will happen when wash up mel produce and star at the same time what's most of you guys watching give fair feedbacks because crap like this will start to be the standard mel quote force of nature is one star you can do better however like mike tyson said i did my last fight for the money i was broke dang dang i didn't expect him to hit him with that heavy one in the end uh Fuck. i think i mean this comment is like you know i don't know nonsense uh but i think no, there is like nonsense. one good point which is that like Mel Gibson had it has like a second chance at like Hollywood right now. Like I think he's even direct. He's going to be directing a movie yeah. pretty soon here. Um, he got like a second chance at Hollywood, which is you know kind of rare, especially with how badly he flamed out and specifically like the people he flamed out against. Um, yeah. But he has his comeback. The only reason I well not the only reason. One of the reasons I think people have tolerated his comebacks is because they've been, like, critically successful movies. Like, people will say The Beaver is a good movie. I haven't seen it. I don't care. I don't even know what that is. Don't worry about it. Um, people say, <laughs> like, like Dragged Across Concrete, which was recent, where I think he plays another violent cop. Um, that's by a well-renowned director. It's by the same director who did uh, Bone Tomahawk like oh yeah so it's it's weird that mel gibson would pick this movie 
because this movie's trash. This movie's like really fucking bad. Like this it's movie bad. is not yeah. as good as Assassin Thirty Three. And, and he Whatever. dies in it. He dies in it, but I mean that's that's an artistic choice that I that seems right because he gets shot like th- like five times in the chest. And if he didn't die, I was going to be I was going to laugh at it a lot. It just takes him like five minutes to die, which is unlikely, but you know more respectable. Um, so it's I don't know. It's just interesting that he would do this movie when he's been like taken back by Hollywood and yeah. he doesn't have to do stuff like this anymore. Seemingly, I don't know. It's a step backward for sure. Um, yeah. Anyway, what I'm saying is Apocalypto is a good movie, and everybody should watch it. Uh, <laughs> like steal it though you do the self-checkout on yeah. apocalypto um and that's yeah. that's the episode thank you uh so much for listening like i said if you want bonus episodes including the episode we did on assassin 33 ad which is the time traveling movie about uh muslim terrorists going back to kill christ uh so that they can end christianity once and for all and an atheist has to save them and rediscover his faith in the process uh we did that episode with the street fight boys uh it was a wonderful time (laughs) that movie's amazing that one that that movie is incredible um definitely i mean if you're if you're like you know stuck at home you know stuck at home on the covid you know um, I say, you know, get a little tossed up. Do some drugs and maybe drink something. Do something and uh, go watch that movie. Don't do uh, too many drugs I, because it, it might freak your mind out too much. That's true. Do some, like, very palatable drugs. Just, like, really just rip some mids and um, and then watch this movie. Yeah. Rip, rip some mids, shotgun a cider. Watch and, that uh, movie and then listen to our movie. episode on patreon.com slash minion death cult p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash minion death cult uh we also did an amazing episode this week on patreon where uh for the um nfl who is going to apparently be playing the the black national anthem before week one football games in like a vain attempt to make people forget that they're the ones who blackballed colin kaepernick for the crime of taking a knee all those months ago um we have some black commentators some right-wing black commentators like losing their minds for Mm -hmm. them like like losing themselves losing their minds doing the most in response to that and it's like it's like mask off moment for these like hyperventilating cringeworthy maga grifters it's a very like it's like they even they realize oh shit we may have gone too far in our response to this their their faces is is kind of like reminiscent of that that footage of crystalia realizing that people can screen record snapchat <laughs> it's, it's very similar to that where they have this like this moment where things are just too real yeah <laughs> and they didn't delete it it was up yeah yeah it was up. all right so yeah thanks for listening folks we love you uh bye bye